Matthew, chapter 22. Parable of the Wedding Feast As was his custom, Jesus continued to teach the people by using allegories. He illustrated the reality of heaven's kingdom realm by saying, There was once a king who arranged an extravagant wedding feast for his son. On the day the festivities were set to begin, he sent his servants to summon all the invited guests, but they chose not to come. So the king sent even more servants to inform the invited guests, saying, Come, for the sumptuous feast is now ready. The oxen and the fattened cattle have been killed and everything is prepared. So come, come to the wedding feast for my son and his bride. But the invited guests were not impressed. One was preoccupied with his business. Another went off to his farming enterprise. And the rest seized the king's messengers and shamefully mistreated them and even killed them. This infuriated the king, so he sent his soldiers to execute those murderers and had their city burned to the ground. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, yet those who had been invited to attend didn't deserve the honor. Now I want you to go into the streets and alleyways and invite anyone and everyone you find to come and enjoy the wedding feast in honor of my son. So the servants went out into the city streets and invited everyone to come to the wedding feast good and bad alike, until the banquet hall was crammed with people. Now, when the king entered the banquet hall, he looked with glee over all his guests, but then he noticed a guest who was not wearing the wedding robe provided for him. So he said, My friend, how is it that you are here and you're not wearing your wedding garment? But the man was speechless. Then the king turned to his servants and said, Tie him up and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be great sorrow with weeping and grinding of teeth. For everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. The Pharisees try to entrap Jesus. Then the Pharisees came together to make a plan to entrap Jesus with his own word. So they sent some of their disciples together with some staunch supporters of Herod. They said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you're an honest man of integrity and you teach us the truth of God's ways. We can clearly see that you're not one who speaks only to win the people's favor because you speak the truth without regard to the consequences. So tell us then what you think. Is it proper for us Jews to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus knew the malice that was hidden behind their cunning ploy and said, Why are you testing me, you imposters who think you have all the answers? Show me one of the Roman coins. So they bought him a silver coin used to pay the tax. Now, tell me, whose head is on this coin and whose inscription is stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Jesus said, precisely, for the coin bears the image of the emperor, Caesar. Well then, you should pay the emperor what is due to the emperor. But because you bear the image of God, Give back to God all that belongs to him. The impostors were baffled in the presence of all the people. When they realized once again that they were unable to trap Jesus, they went away stunned. Marriage and the Resurrection Some of the Sadducees, a religious group that denied there was a resurrection of the dead, came to ask Jesus this question. Teacher, the law of Moses teaches that if a man dies before he has children, 
his brother should marry the widow and raise up children for his brother's family line. Now, there was a family with seven brothers. The oldest got married but soon died, leaving his widow for his brother. The second brother married and also died, and the third also. This was repeated down to the seventh brother, when finally the woman also died. So here's our dilemma. Which of the seven brothers will be the woman's husband when she's resurrected from the dead, since they all were once married to her? Jesus answered them, You are deluded, because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures or the power of God. For after the resurrection, men and women will not marry, just like the angels of heaven don't marry. Haven't you read what God said? I am the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were dazed and astonished over his teaching. The Greatest Commandment When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. Then, one of them, a religious scholar, posed this question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart and with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love, you'll find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Jesus, son of David, Lord of David. While all the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus took the opportunity to pose a question of his own. What do you think about the anointed one? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. Jesus said to them, How is it that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could call his son the Lord? But didn't he say, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit beside me in the place of authority until I subdue all your enemies under your feet? So how could David call his own son the Lord? No one could come up with an answer. And from that day on, none of the Pharisees had the courage to question Jesus any longer. Matthew, chapter 23. Superficial spirituality versus genuine humility. Then Jesus addressed both the crowds and his disciples and said, The religious scholars and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat as the authorized interpreters of the law. So listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do. But they tell you one thing and do another. They tie on your backs an oppressive burden of religious obligations and insist that you carry them, but will never lift a finger to help ease your load. Everything they do is done for show and to be noticed by others. They want to be seen as holy, so they wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms and foreheads with scriptures inside and wear extra long tassels on their outer garments. They crave the seats of the highest honor at banquets and in their meeting places and how they love to be admired by men with their titles of respect, aspiring to be recognized in public and have others call them reverend. But you are to be different from that. You are not to be called master, but you have only one master, and you are all brothers and sisters. 
And you are not to be addressed as father, for you have one father who is in heaven. Nor are you to be addressed as teacher, for you have one teacher, the anointed one. The greatest among you will be the one who always serves others. Remember this. If you have a lofty opinion of yourself and seek to be honored, you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself and choose to humble yourself, you will be honored. Jesus pronounces seven woes. Great sorrow awaits, you religious scholars and you Pharisees. Such frauds and pretenders. You do all you can to keep people from experiencing the reality of heaven's kingdom realm. Not only do you refuse to enter in, you also forbid anyone else from entering in. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and you Pharisees, frauds and pretenders, for you eat up the widow's household with the ladle of your prayers. Because of this, you will receive a greater judgment. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and you Pharisees, such frauds and pretenders. You will travel over land and sea to find one disciple, only to make him twice the child of hell as yourselves. You blind guides, great sorrow awaits you, for you teach that there is nothing binding when you swear by God's temple. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, you are bound by your oath. You are deceived and blind. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that whoever takes an oath by swearing by the altar, it is nothing. But if you swear by the gift upon the altar, then you are obligated to keep your oath. What deception! But what is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Whoever swears by the altar, swears by the altar and everything offered on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God and by God who sits upon it. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and pretenders. For you are obsessed with peripheral issues, like insisting on paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. These matters are fine. Yet you ignore the most important duties of all, to walk in the love of God, to display mercy to others, and to live with integrity. Readjust your values and place first things first. What blind guides, nitpickers. You will spoon out a gnat from your drink, yet at the same time you've gulped down a camel without realizing it. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and impostors. You are like one who will only wipe clean the outside of a cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and self-indulgence that live like germs within you. You are blind to your evil. Shouldn't the one who cleanses the outside also be concerned with cleaning the inside? You need to have more than clean dishes. You need clean hearts. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees frauds and impostors. You are nothing more than tombs painted over with white paint. Tombs that look shining and beautiful on the outside, but filled with rotting corpses on the inside. Outwardly, you masquerade as righteous people, but inside, your hearts are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and impostors. You build memorials for the prophets your ancestors killed and decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors murdered. Then you boast. If we had lived back then, we would not have joined them in killing the prophet. But your words and deeds testify that you are just like them, 
and prove that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. You are nothing but snakes in the grass, the offspring of poisonous vipers. How will you escape the judgment of hell if you refuse to turn in repentance? For this reason, I will send you more prophets and wise men and teachers of truth. Some you will crucify, some you will beat mercilessly with whips in your meeting houses, abusing and persecuting them from city to city. As your penalty, you will be held responsible for the righteous blood spilled and the murders of every godly person throughout your history. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Jehadiah, whom you killed as he stood in the temple between the brazen altar and the holy place. I tell you the truth. The judgment for all these things will fall upon this generation. Jesus prophesies judgment coming to Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are the city that murders your prophets. You are the city that stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you. So many times I have longed to gather a wayward people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were too stubborn to let me. And now it is too late. Since your city will be left in ruins. But you will not see me again until you are able to say, we welcome the one who comes to us in the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus prophesies the destruction of the temple. As Jesus was leaving the temple courts, his disciples came to him and pointed out the beautiful architecture of the temple. And Jesus turned to them and said, Take a good look at all these things. For I'm telling you, there will not be one stone left upon another. It will all be leveled. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? Jesus answered, At that time, Deception will run rampant. So beware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am the anointed one, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side, with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears, for the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin. Persecution of believers. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed. But you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. Then, many will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet, through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, 
providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of this age will arrive. The detestable idol that brings misery. When you witness what Daniel prophesied, the disgusting destroyer taking its stand in the holy place, let the reader learn. Then those in the land of Judah must escape to the higher ground. On that day, if you happen to be outside, don't go back inside to gather belongings. And if you're working out in the field, don't run back home to get a coat. It will be especially hard for pregnant women and for those nursing their babies in those days. So pray that your escape will not be during the winter months or on a Sabbath. For this will be a time of great misery beyond the magnitude of anything the world has ever seen or ever will see. Unless God limited those days, no one will escape. But because of his love for those children to be his, he will shorten that time of trouble. And you will hear reports from some saying, Look, he has returned. The Messiah is over here. Or the Messiah is over there. Don't believe it. For there will be impostors falsely claiming to be God's anointed one. And false prophets will arise to perform miracle signs to lead astray. If possible, those God has chosen to be his. Remember this, for I prophesy it will happen. So if someone says to you, look, the anointed one has returned. He's in the desert. Don't go chasing after him. Or if they say to you, look, he's here in our house. Don't believe it. The appearing of the Son of Man will burst forth with the brightness of lightning, shining from the eastern sky to the west. How do birds of prey know where the dead body is? They just know instinctively, and so you will know when I appear. The appearing of the Son of Man. Then, immediately, this is what will take place. The sun will be darkened and the moon give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and all the cosmic powers will be shaken. Then the sign announcing the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn over him. And they will see the Son of Man appearing in the clouds of heaven, revealed with mighty power, great splendor, and glory. And he will send his messengers with the loud blast of the trumpet. And with a great voice, they will gather his beloved chosen ones from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. A Parable of the Fig Tree Now learn the lesson from the parable of the fig tree. When spring arrives, and it sends out its tender branches and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So it will be with you. But when you observe all these things taking place, you will know that he is near, even at the door. I assure you, the end of this age will not come until all I have spoken comes to pass. The earth and the sky will wear out and fade away before one word I speak loses its power or fails to accomplish its purpose. Live always ready for his appearing. Concerning that day, an exact hour. No one knows when it will arrive. Not even the angels of heaven. Only the Father knows. What would be like it was in the days of Noah, when the Son of Man appears? Before the flood, people lived their lives eating, drinking, marrying, and having children. They didn't realize the end was near until Noah entered the ark, and then suddenly the flood came and took them all away in judgment. It will happen the same way when the Son of Man appears. At that time, two men will be working on the farm. One will be taken away in judgment, the other left. 
two women will be grinding grain. One will be taken away in judgment, the other left. This is why you must stay alert, because no one knows the day your Lord will come. But realize this. If a homeowner had known what time of night the burglar would come to rob his house, he would have been alert and ready, and not let his house be robbed. So always be ready, alert, and prepared. Because at an hour when you're not expecting him, the Son of Man will come. The Wise and Faithful Servant What would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? He would be a wise servant who is both faithful and dependable. The master would commission him to oversee others, but he would lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to that faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence? I can promise you, the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all that he owns. But the evil servant says in his heart, My master delays his coming, and who knows when he will return. And because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve, he abuses the other servants and begins to party with drunkards. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return unexpectedly, and he will remove his abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust. And the master will cut him in two and assign him to the place of great sorrow and anguish, along with all the other hypocrites 